We're good? Yeah. All right. It's that camera. Okay. That's this one. That's this no. one. Straight ahead. <laughs> See if I can master this. Hey, welcome to probably the most unique episode of my podcast so far. I think this is a whole bunch of firsts. Okay. Um, first time in yellow and red chairs. Yeah, definitely. First time with a guest smoking a cigar. Oh, really? Yes, definitely a first. Mm. And of course, the first time having you on the podcast. Yes, it's true. First time you've probably shot in Delray. That's true, too. Um, we're at a secret location. This is uh, going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to talk about a live stream that you're not going to want to miss. And we'll tell you more about that in a minute and why we're at a secret location here that hopefully nobody bombs. Yes, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. So welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Rich Sheffron. So I am excited to talk to you and find out more, not just about the live cast, but what brought you back to our space? Because you came out 2006 with the Internet Business Manifesto, mm -hmm. and you were around for a while, and then you kind of disappeared from the scene. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> tell me about that, and what made you decide to come back? Well, what I would say is, is that um, you know, I took a bunch of years off, um, about five or six, and uh, partly that was due to a midlife crisis that was kind of <laughs> okay. started by me achieving all the goals that I had wanted right. to achieve and not feeling really fulfilled. So I took a bunch of time off because, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, that famous Steve Jobs uh, commencement address. Mm -hmm. If you wake up too many days in a row and you look in the mirror and you say, like, if this was my last day, would I want to live it this way? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, yeah. any single day, <laughs> you don't change jobs just for that. But, like, after enough days. And so I took time off because I really wanted to decide, like, is this what I still wanted to do? Right. Or, you know, is it time to move on to something else? And you know, I've done a lot of different things, so maybe it was time to move on. And, uh, but unlike all my other times, the problem wasn't the business, it mm. was me. Um, so I had to kind of clean that up. Then after I cleaned that up, then I needed to still decide what I wanted to do, right, right. Uh, when I grew up. And, um, <laughs> and so at that time, when I was starting to look out into the world, um, you know, I still kept a few of my clients. Mm -hmm. You know, I was never, like, not working at all. Um, and... <clears throat> Uh, well, this is content, I guess, so I can say uh, I'm not it. restricted. Um, <laughs> so Agora Publishing, who you know I've worked with for about 15 years, uh, have a billion-dollar testimonial from. Uh, they were having a lot of problems with the platforms, yeah. and um, you know, I decided that. Well, they asked me if I could help. I decided I would, and so that started me working again. Gotcha. And as I started working, I I thought the answer would be in AI and in data. Um, mm -hmm. because that's really the huge advantage that big tech has. Right. And my, so my first actual solution, which I proposed several years earlier when they first were having problems, I thought they should start their own direct response network. Mm -hmm. um, I believe a gentleman by the name of Matt Gallant is now doing that. But, you know, for a network for direct response advertisers right. that have been kicked out of Facebook or have been kicked out of Google, been kicked out yeah. of places, right? Well, and there, there's more people than you would believe that are dealing with that. I mean, even small businesses are struggling to keep their Facebook ads accounts and, yeah. and keep things working. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's really good reasons for that. Yeah. But, and I'll, and I'll circle right back to that. The, uh, so as I was looking at it, uh, more and more closely, what I realized really was that all these big tech companies have stopped innovating. They're in a mature mm -hmm. stage of their businesses, which is all about really how do you monetize best. Right, and right. because of that, they're building walled gardens and they're taking back the traffic that mm -hmm. was part of the initial agreement that you know businesses had. You know, right. search engines 
promise is, is that we're going to scrape your content and we're going to send you visitors. It's not we're going to scrape your content, use it to get people to our site and right. then keep them on our site, right? right? And Facebook. And so, so yeah. as I started looking at that, I realized that the problem was bigger than AI and data. Hmm. I needed more experts in every field because I'm a strategist and a generalist. I'm not like an expert, you know, mine's wide, right. not deep. Um, so. I realized that the solution that Agora needed was to really have the world's best experts in all these different areas of online marketing mm -hmm. so that we could craft a strategy that over time helps us become less and less reliant on big tech, yeah. uh, ha have as many different channels to access our customers and strategies so that we're never reliant on any one platform. Right. And as that started to move forward, it seemed silly to just do it for Agora. So as that started mm -hmm. to heat up, they then bought a good portion of my business, brought it into Agora to relaunch. Right. And so as I re-enter the market, what I like to do is seize attention for a brief moment in time so that uh, I did that with all my campaigns when right. I used to market a lot. And this way, like, remind everyone I exist, remind everyone that yeah. I'm here, and, uh, and also kind of rise above the clutter for a brief period of time uh, to kind of reassert myself, mm -hmm. and then I'll fade back into the background at some point, but not as far back into the background <laughs> as I guess I have in the past. Well, that's good. I think <laughs> I think everybody's thankful for that piece of it. Um, and that's a couple of interesting questions that come up for me as you describe that. Um, aside from, yeah, I see the problem in years ago, my business was very focused on content marketing and blogging. Mm -hmm. And every time Google would change their algorithms, it got tougher and tougher to actually stay ranked well. And then they came right. up with all those knowledge panels. And mm -hmm. now they're taking our content and people don't even have to click away from Google to be able to get answers to their questions. How many times do we search? And we're like, oh yeah, that's the answer. You don't even click anything because it's right there. And <sighs> I, what I would say is, is that like, Look, all these services, Facebook and Google, YouTube, I love them as a yeah. consumer, right? Yeah. I totally love them as a consumer. But uh, we trust these companies way mm. more than we should. You know, yeah. uh, the Wall Street Journal just released an article last week that said Google claims that they don't adjust their algorithms for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. Not true. They've been caught. Right, like fifty and state attorney generals all I don't think we're surprised by that. Yeah. So you know they got caught buying all of Mastercard's data, um, so that if you used a Mastercard, Google knows what you bought. Right, like and they've okay, just that's they, creepy. It, that's, it's very creepy. Oh. And think about what Google knows about you. It knows oh, everything about you. It knows every email if you use Gmail. Right. right? It knows yeah. what you watch on video if you use YouTube. It knows the searches that you would never mm -hmm. want anyone to know, right? right? Like, and, it knows, and if you use Chrome, it knows every website you've ever been to. Yeah. So they know every question you've ever asked, right? Yeah. Uh, every email you've ever received, every video you've ever watched, and every website you've ever been to. Yeah. Like, um, and that's not enough. They're buying a ridiculous amount of data as yeah. well. Well, I mean, even the healthcare stuff they've bought up recently, and, mm -hmm. and like the way they're integrating all of it, they've got so much information about us. It's scary on a personal level, yeah. but on a business level, it's one of those things that it really is a don't put all your eggs in one basket because if you're getting all your traffic from Facebook and you've got Facebook ads that are working, what happens when you wake up one morning, and I know so many people who've had this happen, you got a message on your, on your ads manager, hey, your account is banned or you're suspended, yeah. and then there goes all your traffic. Yeah, and you know, generally, I was never an inexpensive provider, mm -hmm. right, of services. And so people came to me for, generally they were on one side of the barbell or the other side of the right. barbell, right? Either like they just 
lost their organic listings in Google and the business was totally yeah. reliant on that, or yeah. there's some, you know, some challenge that they haven't been able to solve, which is why they're willing to spend a lot of money for right. my help, or things are going so well and they're not sure how to capitalize best, right? Yeah. So on the negative side, so many times the situation has been caused because of reliance on one mm. channel. Yeah or one method, or yeah. one employee, or one thing. Yeah. Yep. That's a dangerous place to be in when you're building a business and you're relying on your business. You, yep. you can't put yourself in that situation. You yeah. Can't. And uh, that's, I think a lot of people watching this can probably identify with that feeling of what happens if Google yeah. takes me out of the rankings, or what happens if Facebook goes away, if that's where they're getting all their traffic. So well, you've been looking for solutions to this. Yep. What have you come up with? I've come up with lots of them, but people will have to <laughs> tune in. So let's talk about the live stream for a okay, minute. Let's do we it. are actually at a private cigar bar at a secret location in Delray Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, and Wednesday, just less than two days from now, we're going to be going live for how long is it? Well, at least 24 hours. <laughs> at least 24 hours. Uh oh. At least 24 hours. And you've got something like. 42 guests lined up for this. You would know better than me. Yes, I know the schedule. <laughs> yes, there are like an amazing guest list that you have secured for this. I've never seen all these people in one room together. I don't think they have been. I'm pretty no. sure that this has I never been, been like done. Yeah. yeah, this is it's it's crazy. And we'll we'll put in the, the show notes for you guys the guest list, and you can see who's going to be here on Wednesday. Um, how are you feeling about the live stream? I feel fine. Are you I, excited? I I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I, you know, generally I don't feel much 48 hours before. I kind of feel a lot 30 minutes before. 30 minutes before. <laughs> okay. I'll ask you that question yeah. again on Wednesday. Um, I'm excited for it. I know seeing some of the behind the scenes and the types of topics you're about to cover, mm -hmm. I think is just going to be mind blowing for people to realize because so many of us feel just like we don't have any power. We feel like there's nothing we can do that Google and Facebook and YouTube are so in control of everything. Right. And there actually are ways that you can take back that control and put things in place that scale, that work, that you can depend on. There's that, and then there's really, it's almost like, as I think about it right now at least, mm -hmm. right? It, there's like three different kind of things or steps or phases, right? One is, to leverage the best tactics that are working right now, right? right? So yeah. that you don't overspend, you don't yeah. contribute more money to their profits than mm. need be, right? Yes. Using best, <laughs> you know, you know, using the tactics that are working right now, right? Yeah. You know, shortcuts, little workarounds that get you like higher conversions and things like that. After that, then it's more about um, not being reliant on a channel. So it's about right. moving people from one channel to another, making sure that there's numerous ways that you can contact uh, yeah. someone, get them, you know, get them on your email list, put them on your yeah. from your email list, get them to subscribe to your YouTube channel, then move them to Facebook, yep. then move them, you know, you want to move them around. But then, so you've, you're maximizing the performance, you're now moving them from channel to channel, and then I would say the another element, and there, there's probably quite a few more actually as I think about it now, but another element would be to start partnering more, yeah. to look for other people in your market. There's no reason why you know five companies 
or 10 companies should all compete with each other, driving up the price of ads yeah. that then they all spend money on. When, you know, at Agora, what we do a lot is we'll do a co-reg deal mm -hmm. and we'll split the leads, right? But we'll also be splitting the cost, right? right? So we just cut our cost per acquisition in half. And so I think when I was really active in the market, like back in 2006 mm -hmm. to 2008, um, you know, affiliates, and JVs were like the primary way, right. right? Then in 2008, when we invented the automated webinar, like I kind of unplugged from that, and we still did a lot of affiliate deals, but it was like one-offs, like I didn't do any more right. launches and things like that. And I feel like from 2012 on, the market has gotten away from affiliates and JVs, yes. which is probably yeah. a good thing, yeah. but probably too much so. So I think it was too much before, but it's too little now, and there's a there's a sweet spot of finding a few companies right. and other businesses that you can work in, you know, work in lockstep together, mm -hmm. so that you know because you're not pure competitors, right? And uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense. But I don't think you know. I think that what you want to do is you first want to maximize performance, you then want to move them around, you then want to partner more, and there's more steps that people can do, but those are some easy ones that people can get their head around. Yeah, those are ones no matter where you're at in business, whether you're just getting started or you've been at this for 10 or 15 years, will work for you if you implement them. Yeah. And I think one thing that you said earlier that I want to make sure everybody caught is learning what's working right now. Because so often we think in business, we got to figure it out. We got to learn all the stuff and go through all the courses. And if you just find the right people to learn from with what's working now and just model what they're doing, you cut down not only your learning curve and the time that you invest, but actually how many mistakes you make, how much money you blow on your ad campaigns or other things, because you can learn from somebody who's already made those mistakes. And it's better to go straight to the source and get what is actually working right now. Yes, and yeah. there's a lot of people who, like, you really have to kind of vet your sources. Yeah. The, you know, like when we went, let's just go back to 2008 for a second. Mm -hmm. Like when we invented the automated webinar, the, the show up rate was insane, yeah. right? The registration rate was it insane. It was crazy back the, then. Right, and the conversion rate was insane. Yeah. And that was because we were the only ones doing it, yes. right? And then, yeah. you know, I taught Russell it and Phil saying it and, and, you know, wrote a report on it and eventually the word got out and that's what marketers do. We beat the crap out of anything that works. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, is that especially online, because so many marketers move to things so quickly yeah. and jump on the bandwagon, yeah. the people that get there early and get, and use the tactic or the strategy yeah. at the onset um, are the ones that reap the best rewards. Absolutely. Right? And, and we've seen this time and time again with every platform out yep. there, right? You get in early, you kind of rise with it. Yeah. And you know, it's the same here. So that's something to kind of get your head around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing you said was about vetting source, and I know that's a pretty hot topic right now, especially in the coaching space, because right. you've got this explosion of brand new coaches who uh -huh. don't have a lot of experience. They bought a course from somebody who says, now you're certified because right. you bought my course. And then you've got people looking for a business coach who don't actually know what to look for. Yeah. So what would you, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking for, who is the source? Where do I learn what I need to know? What, what can they measure well, to know who to trust? The safest, I'd say the safest way is probably the simplest way, which um, is, I learned it from the other side. Okay. Um, 
right? Like from a marketing standpoint, right. but it's the same as it relates to um, finding a coach, really. The, there's really kind of three levels of proof. There's proof that the person themselves can do it, has done it, yeah. right? So whoever's coaching you should have already achieved that result. Right. Um, right. Not that there aren't coaches that are great that never achieve the result, but if we're looking for ways to make sure that your coach is a good coach, yeah. it's a good qualification. That's it not is. to say that there aren't some good coaches out there who haven't done it, right. who are just great coaches, but they're few and far between. They right? are, yeah. So first, have they done it? Right, like so. This is not someone in a coaching, uh, you know, floor of a building that right. has never done it and is walking yeah. you through like a preconceived right. um, syllabus. And because you don't, you could create that on your own, yeah. right? Um, even though those generally tend to be the, some of the highest priced coaching programs because yes, they have they such do. good <laughs> salespeople. So first, have they done it? Because if they haven't done it, not the person who created the methodology and this other person is going to teach you it. The person but you are directly person that you're interacting with. with, did they do it? Yeah. Then the next thing is, have they taught others to do it? Because it's one thing to do it for yourself, but yep. if you can't, just because I know a lot of people who are great marketers, but they can't, it's intuitive, yeah. right? They can't teach it. They don't know how to explain why they succeeded with yeah, something. Yeah, they're just naturally yeah. good at it. So have they taught anyone else to do it, yeah. right? And then the third level would be, have they taught people that you feel you're in a better situation than they are, yeah. right? And yeah. so I would say, like, if you use those three levels of proof, that's probably the best way. And then also, I would look at your friends, see, mm -hmm. like, talk to friends. Like, if there's a friend that has, I wouldn't ask all friends. I would ask the <laughs> friends that have had, like, a great leap yes. or some level of success. Yeah. I mean, one of, the, one of the reasons why the manifesto worked so well was just that, yeah, I had lots of proof in it, and I had lots of like testimonials and case studies. But in addition to that, th there were enough people that were mentioned in the manifesto where mm -hmm. the readers had witnessed their rise, yeah. right? So it wasn't only like a testimonial. It was, I saw I that I saw person, this person right? succeed. Yeah, like, well, that's how I found right? you. That's how I found the manifesto was people that I were, was following at the time. I started asking everybody who I saw as successful, like, who are you learning from? What are you reading? Yeah. What are you studying? And so much of it pointed back to you. I eventually read the manifesto, and my mind was blown because I had never thought about that particular mm -hmm. approach in business. And I was, like, shiny object syndrome. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, the, you know... It's unfortunate, but that's something just as a like as a passing tip, right? That um, well, so cream rises to the top, right? And so I've coached a lot of people, and a lot of those yeah. people are well known. And so there's a small percent, but it's smaller than I would have thought um, that find you know like where the knowledge came from. They're yeah. like on their own little treasure hunt, and yes. they're going to figure it out. <laughs> and as I have done, right, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, from Jay Abraham to Clayton Maypiece to these legends of, John Carlton, uh, these legends of direct response who I became friendly with, and as we were friends, and I would ask, like, where did you learn it from, right? Always trying to track down that source. And, um, and so that's something that at the end of the day, you should always be thinking about, like, where did this person learn yeah. from? Not because necessarily the person that they learned from was better than them, because that's not necessarily the right. case, right? If you want to build a funnel, 
even though Russell might have learned some things from me, you're better off getting advice from Russell, yeah. right? If client acquisition, you're better off talking to Todd, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because they're in the trenches. Comes down to what their focus is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but the, for coaches, right? Like, the following that knowledge lets you know who are, like, the impactful people. Yeah. In addition to that, um, someone who's probably not comfortable telling you where they learned from is probably someone who is parroting too yeah. much, right? So yes. it's a good, I'm, I'm fine telling people where I've learned from, right? right? Yeah. Jay Abraham, Clayton Makepeace, John Carlton, Dan yeah. Kennedy, you know, all these yeah. people I've learned from. I teach something different, but, but definitely been influenced by all those people yeah. in a very large amount. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a red flag when somebody's not either not willing to share the sources means either they are taking maybe a little bit more from it than they should, or they're not actually continuing to stay up to date in their field. They're yep. not actually doing the homework, doing the research, and, and continuing to study and learn. I like to find people who will share, hey, this is the book I'm reading, this is the course I just went through, this is the event I went to, right. because they know they're staying current in their field. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful to me when I'm looking for somebody, because I want somebody who knows what's working right now. Not, hey, this worked 20 years ago, so I'm gonna teach this to everybody, and of course it doesn't work today right. with the internet. You know, So yeah. I think that's, that's a really important thing to look for. And most people don't know what's working right now they know yeah. what used to work yes that is incredibly true I see so many courses especially around blogging and content marketing they're teaching stuff that yeah it absolutely worked in 2010 it mm -hmm. doesn't work today right and people have been surprised I've sent out emails before I sent out one where I sent out this big apology mm -hmm. I was like I taught you something it doesn't work anymore here's what you should do instead right. and they were surprised I admitted it but I was like if it's not yeah, working now change. I'm not gonna keep teaching it yeah things yeah change. things absolutely especially change. online yes <laughs> they change quickly online mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the cool things to me about the live stream is that you've got guys in the room who they're not hey I have this business, I built it up 10 years ago, yeah. and then now I'm doing something totally different, but I'm gonna teach you this. They're teaching and sharing what they're doing right now. Exactly, yeah. and you know, it's like, um, Jay Abraham used to have this habit. He doesn't, he doesn't have this habit now. He goes, it goes in and out. But um, whenever he called people, he, instead of saying like, what's up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, what's up? Um, instead it's like, uh, hey, what's working? That's like, great. you know, like, and um, <laughs> whether it's what you working for you or if you know anybody else has got something working, right? So That's Jay probably great. talks to 30 or 40 people a day, and he's Smart. doing that when he's in that zone. He's doing, you know, that's what he wants to know, what's working right now, right? That's and, a great question. <laughs> yeah, which is different than what was working yesterday. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it does change quickly, and it can feel really overwhelming sometimes to keep up with for a lot of business owners because they're wearing all these hats and doing so many different things in their business. It's not yeah. hard when you know the right people to listen to. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I love the filters you shared of how to figure out who are those people to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. So question I ask everybody on the podcast uh, uh, is, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an easy question. Okay. Easy question. What's your favorite thing about your business and where it's at right now? Hmm. Well, the business is being rebirthed, right? Yeah. So I would, I'm not going to talk about, I'm going to change the question a little bit to just what Go is most it. exciting to me about the business in general. And uh, what I came to the conclusion of or decided or used my imagination for <laughs> um, was 
you know, one time I'm writing in my journal how much I enjoy like meeting the people I get to meet, mm -hmm. like working with the people I get to work with and pursue basically anything that I want to pursue. The and so that's amazing and there's tremendous freedom in that. The cost of that is that I have to simplify it. Yeah. I have to connect it to making more money, growing a business, because in general, the stuff I'm interested in is not being kind of positioned as that, gotcha. right? It's more complicated, right? Like theory of constraints. Right. Um, but I get the luxury of being able to get paid a lot of money to learn theory of constraints and teach theory of constraints, right? The only, pr the price of admission is my, my willingness to think hard enough about it to think about how I'm going to simplify it, how mm -hmm. am I going to market it, and how am I going to connect it to my clients and prospects making more money. That's the price I have to pay to have the freedom to pursue whatever I want to pursue, right? So anytime I get upset, because sometimes it's frustrating to have to simplify stuff, right? Like, yeah. why can't people just understand this? But then the other part of my head is like, well, if they understood this, then what role are you playing right. in this equation? Because you're not you necessary, right? Yes. Like, so you don't want to dream too much that it's easy, because yeah. if it's too easy, then you're ne not necessary. Yeah. Um, the, the I know we're gonna shoot another video a little later yes. on, like, um, but I but for for one thing, um, for people who want to be coaches, just to include here, um, is that you have to think really long and hard about what problem are you best out there to solve? Because mm -hmm. ultimately, and you might start really, really small. It might be one small thing that you can put like a you know, stake in the ground and kind of claim as your thing, like you're the best solution for. Because at the end of the day, if you're not the best solution for a specific thing, mm -hmm. then what are you ultimately hoping for? You're hoping to find enough stupid people to choose you over what is the best option. That doesn't and seem like a good business no, plan. No, <laughs> it's not a good business strategy. Like, we're just going to find all the stupid people in the market no. to buy from us. So you Don't really have to niche down small yeah. enough so that you really are the best option. Yeah. And, uh, and that might be small in the beginning, yeah. right? Like, um, but, you know, and this might be an unpopular belief. I don't even know where you stand on this. Um, but, like, you know, at the current place where each individual is, um, they might be in a place where like they have a message to share or they might not like mm -hmm. I don't buy into the Brendan Bouchard like everyone has a message to share okay I think everyone has a message to share but like but a lot of those messages are not ready for prime time and okay. they're not ready for paying customers yeah. so like are you really the best choice right. for the price point for the for the outcome for the service for something yeah. so that like you know you're not you really can be passionate and, yeah. and assertive about yeah. what it is you're offering because you feel like at the end of the day, they would be much worse off without you. Yes. You know? So I wasn't sure I was going to agree with you there for a minute um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I do think everybody has something to share. But I, what, I, what I do agree with is just because you have a message to share doesn't mean you have a problem to solve that people will pay you to solve. Those are very different things. Having a message doesn't mean you have a viable business. Right. And so when you're looking at building a business, you do have to figure out what is the problem I'm solving for people that I am the best at. Because one of the things I see a lot of times with clients is they've got something they're offering, but they're not confident in selling it. 
they're afraid to actually have sales conversations and put out messaging around it. And when you get right down to it, it's usually because you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the best at solving that problem and you're not able to confidently make that claim when you're on the phone with somebody or when you're in conversation and say, I know I can solve yeah. this problem for you and I know I can solve it better than anybody else you could talk to. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes a huge difference. And you might not be right. There might be others, right? <laughs> but as long as you believe it and you're not delusional. Well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> don't, then, don't say that delusionally. Right, but, but, yeah. well, and that goes back to what you said about looking at whether somebody is actually the right person to work with when it comes to coaches and consultants. Is do they have that track record? And have you built that track record up for yourself? where you know you can look at your case studies, you can look at your clients and say, I am confident that I can solve this problem and get you the result that you're after. That, and I would add yeah. just one other thing that I didn't say, it's not always possible, but to find a match in like, I don't think it's personality, but certainly like method of work, like yes. work approach, there, there are very different strategies, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not that organized, I'm not like, you know, <laughs> Mr. Detail. And I'm also not Mr. Discipline and like, you know, all these kinds of things. And, and so I'm going to be a better coach to someone who's more like me, yeah. right? The, and, yes. uh, and if you're very disciplined, you're going to like you, like I'm it's not, not going to mesh right? well. Yeah. 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 No, that, so. that's a great point because I think sometimes we get in this mode where we want to say yes to anybody who's willing to give us a credit card and that is the wrong approach to take in your business because you end up with people who aren't a good fit, who stress you out, you yeah. stress them out and they don't get a result. Both ways, right? Yes. But also as a customer, like yeah. accept who you are and find yeah. someone who is like you who has achieved yes. that success, right? Yes. As because opposed to someone who's achieved path. it in a very different way than you have. I, I have experienced that where I've worked with coaches that I got a few months in and realized I can't achieve success the same way they did because I'm not wired that way. There are certain things that I would have to work so hard on my weaknesses that it yeah. wouldn't be worth it to actually put that much time into it when I could focus on my strengths instead and get to a result faster. Exactly. Yeah, that is a really great piece of advice. I hope you wrote that down wherever you are listening or watching this right now. Really take that to heart and look at who are you learning from. Not only have they achieved what you're looking to achieve, have they coached others to achieve that, but have they done it in a way that fits who you are, what your personality, what your approach is, so that you can replicate that success. Yeah, and would you be huge. comfortable doing what they did to yeah. achieve success? Yes, that yeah. is. That's, that's an awesome piece of advice and I think a great great point to kind of end on and segue into another interview here. All right, well, it was nice meeting the podcast yes, audience. absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to share this. And guys, make sure you grab your ticket to the live stream. Yeah, there'll be a link right below the video or near wherever you are watching or listening to this. I promise you, you do not want to miss it. It will absolutely be worth your time. Go ahead and get your coffee ready now, your PJs, a uh, note paper, whatever Maybe a you party. need. Invite there you go. Over. Have a couple of friends over. Right. Uh, join us. We will have live chat on the page. I will be in there to say hello. And uh, you will walk away with more than you can imagine that will help you to make this year the best year in your business. One other thing I want to say, when you grab your ticket and opt in, you're going to see an offer for VIP, VIP+. Plus. Uh, make sure you grab one of those because what's on the next page is one of the most unique things I have ever seen in, I'm going to date myself, more than 20 years of business online. You don't want to miss that and be able to see exactly what he's put together on that page. So make sure you grab your ticket, get VIP or VIP Plus, and check out what is on the next page. Right. Now, wait a sec. Oh. Um, yeah, so... <laughs>
that thing that they're going to see has got a conversion rate of 75%, yes. which is very insane. Um, Crazy. But the next video that we're going to shoot, right, yeah. isn't that a bonus? It is. If you want to talk about that, we well, can. you should talk about it because it's your bonus. <laughs> All right. right? So, so if <laughs> you grab what you see on that second page, it's called a mystery box. You will know you're on the right page when you see Rich holding a box that's got a question mark on it. Make sure you watch that whole video. And as with anything, watch it not just for the content, but the context. Learn from what he's sharing and how he shares it in that video and be thinking, not just what is he saying, but how can I apply this concept in my own business, in my own funnels, and in what I'm doing? Because there's some really important things in that video. If you grab that mystery box, I will put some info below this video or wherever you're listening to the podcast of how you can get access to a super secret bonus interview that Rich and I are about to record in just a minute. And I'll put some details below this video as well about that interview. Do we want to tell them what we're going to talk about? Well, that's up to you. I just, all I did was save all my best stuff for that interview. You told me not to, and so, she didn't really. But I did save most of my best stuff for that, so. Ooh, awesome. There will be notes below this video about that. All you'll have to do is forward me a copy of your receipt for the mystery box, and I will give you access to that video. I'll take right. your dog. We're good. So, we will see you, hopefully, back for the bonus video right after this. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. Hit like, rate, review, subscribe, and I will see you back in the next episode. Cheers. Awesome.